difficulties, you know, with, you know, interaction with white people and that sort of thing. But then I thought today I'm going to talk to my buddy Rolf today. <laughs> one, one of the halfway decent white, white people. I know, <laughs> I know right? <laughs> Rolf is a really good dude, man. And um, I actually like to hear his perspective on a lot of what's going on because, um, you know, it's not often you meet people like Rolf. So if you can give us a little bit of background on yourself and, um, you know, what's your title, what do you call yourself and how long have you been doing? Sure. Um, yeah, as, as ambiguous as titles are these mm-hmm. days, especially within UX, um, I'm kind of in between what you would call a senior UX and, and creative director, I guess, mm-hmm. um, depending on the situation. I came from a traditional design background, and did a little bit of everything, um, starting at Fossil. I was mm-hmm. there for three years and helped develop a multimedia group where mm-hmm. they previously only had a hard line defined between web and print design. Yeah. Um, so I started creating interactive uh, press kits for mm-hmm. for wholesale, um, mm-hmm. translated into like 15 languages mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. in Flash and HTML5. So that's... Mm-hmm old school yeah um, <laughs> i remember flash <laughs> but that's really where i got my start in doing a lot mm-hmm. of uh, motion and interaction as well right right uh so from there i i went on and did uh full like stage production uh, mm-hmm. motion stuff i i had a, a big contract with a, a church in the area mm-hmm. um, so mm-hmm. it did live events and i also i contra i freelanced for uh, full-time for a year and I did right. things like um, the entire Southwest Airlines rebrand effort uh, mm-hmm. on their website so I I updated mm-hmm. like all of their old instances into into the new stuff for the launch right um, right and then uh, yeah from there I, I did a lot of digital signage which is mm-hmm. again kind of that in that experimental experiential mm-hmm. um sector where you uh see things in physical space and they you're either interacting with them or Mm -hmm. they're highly localized data so think buffalo wild wings and all the local sports Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. stats and stuff you see i designed a lot of those templates oh wow um, to to animate in and and use real uh relevant data data wow um and then did stuff for Macy's Herald Square and GameStop. Mm-hmm. Um, just a little bit of everything, but a lot of huge difference in size of screens and touch screens yeah. and phone to yeah. screen interaction and mm-hmm. um, things like that for for a while. Worked mm-hmm. in the banking sector and then did some consulting mm-hmm. with, with yeah. Everett and mm-hmm. uh, uh, <laughs> um, Sprint as well. So did, mm-hmm. did some telco work. Um, but yeah, all over the map. Yeah, um, man. Sure. Sheesh. That's a hell of a resume, dude. That's a hell of a resume. Sheesh. <laughs> um, how did you like Southwest? I interviewed for Southwest when I first got to Dallas, but the role they were trying to give me was just way too intricate. But how did you like them? Because I like the culture there, but that role just wasn't for me. The culture is wild. Um, I, I enjoyed it a lot. It's very, very friendly people. Extremely... Mm-hmm. Um, extremely laid back um, and they do great work 
Mm -hmm. uh, the group that I was in with was, was both the marketing side and then their UX was just kind of becoming a thing. Mm -hmm. So they were, they were very immature in their UX practice. Um, but their marketing side was just kind of churning day in, day out. A lot of the mm -hmm. same things you learn to predict when the sales are going up. Um, right. And you're designing banners and emails and things like that, that are just kind of mm -hmm. redundant. Right. But that said, yeah, uh, a lot of positive things um, with Southwest. Great, great culture. And uh, my previous company actually had a huge engagement with them as well, doing things like their flight control interfaces mm. and oh, wow. uh, scheduling and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, they, they have no shortage of need for mm. UX mm -hmm. and um, highly complicated and, and very rewarding work. Mm -hmm. Did you work at GameStop or did you work with GameStop? GameStop was a client. Oh, okay. um, so the TVs that are in every GameStop, yeah. um, the company that, that I worked for uh, powers those TVs or, or did at the time, powered those t TVs um, and allowed them to schedule content on those TVs. Got it. So we oh, gave okay. them like content strategy for what kind of stuff would mm -hmm. be relevant to shoppers and, and how to... Um, not play things on a consistent loop so that it drives the workers insane <laughs> mm -hmm. um, as well as some concept work um, that we, we were pushing for some really, really innovative uh, concept work in there before they had a pretty large layoff and change management. And so our relationship became unsteady at that mm -hmm. time. Still some, some work that I'm really proud of and, and had a great time doing. So since you, it sounds like you've been doing like UX for a long time and, you know, definitely getting to see all kinds of corners of it. So how do you feel like the UX environment has really transgressed over time? Like from back when you first started, kind of like in the early years? It's so interesting. I taught a section at uh, TCU last semester and, mm -hmm. and it was right when COVID was hitting. So it was right before spring break and then they never came back. Mm -hmm. um, so Damn. yeah it's not my fault I swear I promise you all it's not my fault um, but one of the things that became important in the second second half of that semester um, as as the professors are learning all this remote technology and um, adapting their their plans the the students are just learning the basics and they and they're mm -hmm. tr they were trying to get their head wrapped around you know these these design basics mm -hmm. and i had the chance to talk to him a couple of times about um the the more important kind of big picture scenarios of of what this impact a global pandemic will yeah. have on our need to design for um accessibility for inclusiveness mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um there, there's a there's a much bigger picture than just trying to get the tools to do what you want mm -hmm. them to do mm -hmm. um and it's communicating to those people making business decisions on mm -hmm. what is actually important in improving the world and you do that right you will make money mm -hmm. but you have to understand what the priority is mm -hmm. and it's our responsibility as designers to do so that that's one major shift for sure um mm -hmm. obviously ada has been a more uh spread out initiative because every company was given a deadline 
mm-hmm. to say, okay, update your things for ADA compliance or you're going to get fined or you could get sued. Right. Um, right. So, so over time, you know, ADA color blindness, vision impairment, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. name it for design for screen readers and all of that mm-hmm. has been a hugely important, um, aspect of, of the way that I approach design, mm-hmm. whereas previously, I guess my main focus would have been to drive conversion. Yeah. Um, yeah. So now taking this ADA uh, mm-hmm. methodology into, into a lot of the way that I produce designs, I don't even think about it anymore. Right. Uh, right. And it's kind of like, so it's the, it's the analogy of curb cuts, um, mm-hmm. the, cor- the corners at intersections that have those like ridges mm-hmm. and just roll onto the road. Mm-hmm. They were specifically created by students in Berkeley who had had it. They were, mm-hmm. uh, wheelchair riders and they they couldn't get on and off curbs and so they mm. started taking angle grinders to the curbs so that oh, they wow. could roll on and off them well mm. it finally got designed for accessibility and mm-hmm. now everyone benefits from that mm-hmm. so that's one of the methodologies and like the way that my thinking has changed over time is when we design for for those that are impaired by the way mm-hmm. that things have been for so long, mm-hmm. everyone mm-hmm. benefits. Yeah. How did that shift happen? Initially, you hear the rumblings and people are like, yeah. oh, we got to change. We're going to get, we're going to get sued. Right, um, right. In, within the businesses. But really the one thing that, um, that made it so clear to me is mm-hmm. I did these wayfinding maps at um, the Cedar Fair parks, mm-hmm. uh, which are, Cedar Point, Kings Island, Knott's Berry Farm. Yeah, yeah. Um, a bunch of amusement parks, as well as uh, Nebraska Furniture Mart up in the mm-hmm. colony. Yeah. So I did yep. these, I did these maps, and one of the things that we had to take into consideration is, hey, people using wheelchairs will have to use these physic, these digital maps mm-hmm. in a physical space that are hung up on the wall, mm. and so the center of the screen is between. Mm-hmm um 40 let's see 42 and 48 inches Mm -hmm. due to average american male and female height Mm -hmm. so the very center of the screen which means nothing above that Mm -hmm. on the screen or everything had to be below like 46 inches right um, to be accessible Mm -hmm. to someone who's in a wheelchair yep and so some of the interface design we had to do some really tricky stuff with because these are these are portrait screens. They're not they're not the regular horizontal TV screens. So they're a portrait, right. which meant they were taller, mm-hmm. which meant we were losing so much real estate, real estate. like the iPhone does. Uh-huh. Um, you know, when it's too big, you can't reach it with your thumb. You can slide it down and exactly and use it. Um, but that's not really an option on a screen that size. Because then mm-hmm. it looks like something's wrong with the screen. Exactly. Um, so how do you shift the interface and really think about this is a usable area? Mm-hmm. This is ancillary information. How do you prioritize the information? Mm-hmm. Um, and that physical space and understanding that it had to be used by humans. There's there's no magical computer that'll do the things for you mm-hmm. when you're a wheelchair rider. Mm-hmm. Like they really 
put things into perspective for me. Mm-hmm. Um, cause wow. yeah, I, I mean, if you can't reach a thing, it's, it's, it does, you no good. And exactly. Um, yeah, it really, it really made me open my eyes a bit. Um, with interaction design, what's a good starting point for people wanting to um, get into that? How do you explain that to someone who probably knows a little bit about it, just found out about it, but finds it interesting? How do you explain that and what direction do you point them to get started? Interaction is interesting because mm-hmm. you, have to, you have to take things again from that very human perspective. Um, there is... There are so many things that we take for granted uh, being digital natives or, or first generation, like just mm-hmm. adopters mm-hmm. that we say, okay, yeah, a, um, the, the letter icon makes sense for mail, mm-hmm. um, but the phone receiver icon mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. translates because we existed in a time where people used phones that look like that, that mm-hmm. but nobody uses those. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anymore. Like, mm-hmm. So, so you can ask, you know, younger children, what some of the icons mean or what they were, um, the save, mm-hmm. the save mm-hmm. icon. That's a floppy disk. Yeah. It's a floppy disk. Yep. Yeah. The young kids in Japan think it's a vending machine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Because yeah. vending machines are a huge part of the culture over there, but mm-hmm. they have no need to know what a three and a half inch floppy is. So, right. <laughs> <laughs> so understanding our relationship with the actual physical world is a first step to understanding what a good interaction is. Um, mm-hmm. I'm trying to look at, at this thing that I would access physically in a mm-hmm. slightly different way but what's the one-to-one relationship of what it actually is being represented by? Mm-hmm. Um, that's, yeah. that's, that's one thing. The second thing that I would say about interaction design is how does it feel? Mm-hmm. Um, being again, human, yeah. we like, we like our senses to be um, stimulated. So mm-hmm. sight, sound, all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but touch, obviously, especially with mobile devices um, and even clicks um, mm-hmm. that provide haptic feedback or micro interactions, mm-hmm. um, you know, those tiny little animations when you click the like button that mm-hmm. it lets you know something happened when mm-hmm. you click that mm-hmm. um, gives us this feeling of a sense of accomplishment of, mm-hmm. okay, it went through. Things mm-hmm. are things are moving ahead as I intended them to, mm-hmm. or something's going wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, it can it can also be beneficial, um, but mm-hmm. getting an instant instantaneous feedback loop on that mm-hmm. front is is probably the most helpful thing that I I think has come out of interactions, especially with the HTML5 stuff um, right. in in the past decade, is because we can actually actively see and be responded to mm-hmm. by the non-tactile surface that we're interacting with. Mm-hmm. Um, How do you feel like your musical career, your mu- like your musical talent has kind of like transpired into your UX design, especially since you talked about doing interaction. Yeah, I bet yeah. that's like, they talk to each other very well, you know? It, it is unreal how much I pull from, from my musical experience. Mm-hmm. Um, firstly, first and foremost, um, the dedication to practice. Um, if you do not practice, if you do not 
if you do mm. not take yourself seriously enough to mm -hmm. want to improve, you will mm -hmm. not improve. So, so mm -hmm. just understanding that I'm learning stuff like on the drums still daily mm -hmm. after 22 years. So, wow. um, yeah, just, just know that every opportunity is a chance to practice. Um, but rhythm it while being a design theory, like mm -hmm. actual, actual aspect of design theory. Yeah. Um, rhythm is insanely important, especially when it comes to, um, like motion design mm -hmm. and those micro interactions. Mm -hmm. Um, when you have moving pieces or carousels or, um, you know, we, we did a, a bit of a catalog for diesel, um, when I was at, at fossil, that was an actual like movie. And mm -hmm. if you scrolled over the movie at portions, people were dancing, mm -hmm. um, it would pause the movie and you would be able to kind of see what they were wearing by scrolling over different as like parts of where they were, mm -hmm. um, yeah. were, and then you would be able to link and go directly to that product. Mm -hmm. Um, and those, those sort of, um, pieces, like if it went too fast, nobody would ever buy that product, you know, right, so just right. understanding yeah. <laughs> that, um, and, and really applying the, the, I call it the Michelle Gondry principle. Um, mm -hmm. Michelle Gondry is uh, science of sleep, the director mm -hmm. of science of sleep mm -hmm. and also countless great music videos, Bjork. Um, mm -hmm. but most, I would say most importantly, Daft Punk's Around the World. Yeah, um, yeah. He gave a visual meaning to every, a visual representation to mm -hmm. every sound and rhythm mm. that occurred in that song, in that music video. Wow. And he gave everything purpose. And part of that has to do with the fact that he was a drummer before mm -hmm. he was a, yeah. as a, a director. But... Mm -hmm. It, it also is extremely applicable to UX. You know, mm -hmm. why would you put things in there that weren't essential mm -hmm. or don't have, don't have a meaning and actually detract from the mm -hmm. aspects of um, interaction that you are intending? Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. That's, that has the same thing. You know, when, when I was a kid, I just wanted to collect and have the biggest drum set ever. <laughs> yeah. Um, but <laughs> I never used half of it. Mm -hmm. So what, yeah. So what was the point? What was the point? Yeah. Um, just, <laughs> it's an expensive habit to have. Um, yeah. It looks cool. Yeah. yeah. Like all the drummer <laughs> magazines you ever find. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, but mm -hmm. the older I get and the more the more mature I become in in my practice and in in my you know actual playing and performing, mm -hmm. you don't have to be flashy to be extremely effective. You know, you look at the white stripes for as much as I don't really care for them. Um, mm -hmm. Meg White was the drummer that they needed um, to put out Seven Nation Army. Um, Ringo yeah. Starr was the drummer that the Beatles needed, and he was not flashy. He was <laughs> not particularly great either, but he was exactly what they needed. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I think that that goes for building UX teams. You mm -hmm. find the right people that mm -hmm. fit in the right need um, and you'll, you'll definitely build the team that mm -hmm. you need at the right time to, right, right. to accomplish that stuff. Right. Uh, yeah. They're, they're very, very tied together. Is there anything from 
like your childhood that you pull inspiration from what inspires your design? I knew that was going to come. I knew I had to. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, my, my father is, is a puppeteer and has been for 40 years. So I grew up with a literal circus. Um, yeah. Clowns, comedians, magicians, jugglers, you name it. That was my family friends. Yeah. And so my, my creativity <laughs> is definitely impacted by this kind of goofy um, mm-hmm. sense of play um, mm-hmm. that, that I totally encourage, especially in UX, like, mm-hmm. like play, you, to find your solutions, to find your ideas, go yeah, through right. those design thinking exercises. And, and the less you can think of them as exercises and the more right. you can think of them as fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, the more uninhibited you are and the less you'll think about is my idea good enough to present right and i fake Mm. my way through this as we're all struggling with that imposter syndrome right Um, right just understand that maybe take yourself a little less seriously sometimes that you Mm -hmm. you'll end up with a better product Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. And yeah, I'm a, I'm just a big kid. Like, <laughs> I have so yes. many toys around the house. Like I'm surprised my wife let me keep them. Uh, <laughs> yeah, man, I had to bring that up because it was just, it was just fascinating. You know, obviously working with you, I've seen you in action. and It's almost like the ringmaster controlling the circus, <laughs> you know, and some of the situations that we were in. And, you know, and it totally speaks to that childhood story that you exchanged with me because it's like watching that and that kind of leads into the, the importance of managing, you know, your stakeholders and managing the project. You know, what are some things that you do to do that? Yeah, being comfortable in chaos, mm-hmm. um, no, knowing who your immediate allies are, um, which mm-hmm. is your design team. Mm-hmm. There, we're we're all we all have to have each other's backs all the mm-hmm. time, even if we don't quite understand the yep. design the design decisions that each other have made. Mm-hmm. Um, we we can at least talk to best practices. We can talk to um, other things from our experience that will back up the decisions that were made. Mm-hmm. Um, but knowing that no client is the same, yeah, no two clients are the same. Um, some are just completely unreasonable. Some are, um, just have expectations that you're never going to manage mm-hmm. properly. Um, but, <laughs> but that, you know, your attitude has just as much to do with it, yeah. with your success in that environment, mm-hmm. um, than your actual design does. Yeah. Um, yeah. sometimes we would go weeks Mm-hmm. weeks without getting new solutions actually approved yeah and and <laughs> the, the but our attitude in going to the meetings were like okay we want to understand this we want to do the best work we can for you let us let us know what these things are and mm-hmm. ask a whole lot of questions so be be mm-hmm. curious um i say humble and hungry a lot mm-hmm. so so say mm-hmm. like, hey, I don't know everything in the world. Um, mm-hmm. So I'll be the first person to tell you that. I don't know everything in the world. I am highly opinionated, but mm-hmm. I, I try not to let that impact my designs. Mm-hmm. I like data to impact my designs. Mm-hmm. So so I, I can say to the product owners, listen, there's aspects of this I don't know, but 
but I mm -hmm. desperately want to know these things. How, mm -hmm. how can I help you? What's, what's most important to you? Mm -hmm. and, and really communicate, again, as humans, mm -hmm. um, to, to make sure that everyone knows we're on the same team and we're striving for the same things, um, mm -hmm. but being comfortable in that chaos yeah yeah <laughs> that you never know what's who's going to show up to the meeting and what they're yeah. gonna do. you said you like to use the data right i know at project 202 you guys had a pretty big research effort over there were you in on some of those research efforts and can you kind of detail some of the techniques or tools that you guys would use to get the relevant information you needed yeah i'll i'll preface this with I know that the world has changed since then mm -hmm. um, yeah, significantly. Yeah. Um, however, a lot, some of the process I would recommend to, to remain the same as, as much as humanly yeah. possible. Yeah. Um, and there's, there's ways to make that happen, but there's always going to be roadblocks. always going to be challenges. So, mm -hmm. so be flexible and adapt to that. Mm -hmm. I was fully involved. I was on all of the contextual inquiries and I, I went and oh, sat, nice. I actually sat with, Mm -hmm. or at least half of them because there were so many we we split up teams yeah um, but i went and sat with actual users mm -hmm. and so it was me and a, a dedicated researcher mm -hmm. um, and we filmed and took pictures and asked questions for multiple hours of these users of how they were using the pro the existing product or mm -hmm. existing product suites um, mm -hmm. at sprint when we sat with the with the people in the call center, they were mm -hmm. swapping windows so fast. Yeah. They, they were going between about 15 to 20 different systems what? to accomplish one task. One thing. That's terrible. And, and it, it, that's why you're on hold when you call your phone yeah. provider. Like yeah. <laughs> I promise God. you. That's why you're on. And, and even then they're flying, like they're yeah. wizards. They're, they're moving through this stuff really quickly, but Interfaces yeah. are outdated and IT yep. is just built feature on feature on feature and the systems don't talk to one another. Mm -hmm. So they struggle with this and it's mm -hmm. a major pain point for them. Uh, but seeing that firsthand in the research effort mm -hmm. was uh, the first thing just builds empathy with you mm -hmm. as a designer. Oh, I gotta, I gotta solve this for Alex yeah. <laughs> in Kansas city. Cause like, man, that yeah. the stuff that, his team is doing it's yeah i can't believe they're having to do that yeah um and even like we stood in stores we went to retail stores for sprint and mm -hmm. saw that somebody came in to get an updated phone um, mm -hmm. and they were there for two and a half hours <laughs> yeah and and that's kind of the average yeah of amount of time that people spend in these retail stores is like i think it's like upwards of an hour for mm -hmm. simple yeah. transactions, things that mm -hmm. should be very, very simple. Um, it's just because they're having to bounce around from their, from their iPad to, mm -hmm. the, to the desktop, using their phone as a calculator, yeah. doing yeah. manual math. It's yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. It's insane, dude. And I, I had to deal with that designing the in-store system stuff for Seven Eleven. Mm. I actually went and did some of that contextual inquiry at 7-Eleven as well, sat and actually watched them do their job. I'm like, yo, this shit is ridiculous. You have to do what? To do what? Yeah. And, and it gets frustrating when people are telling you what, well, I think what, no, I saw what they did. Like, <laughs> they need to do this. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, that's where you 
can bring those arguments to the table. You say, mm -hmm. you say, Hey, listen, I, I understand you're the product owner, um, mm -hmm. but your users are making this work around because this is how they want to do it. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Or this is, this is their need and your idea of what their need is, is actually impeding them. So, and they, they have a hard time arguing with that. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that's, that's a really great mm -hmm. um, tactic is, yeah. is getting, getting data from the horse's mouth yeah. um, as it were. And then after that, there's, there's also, you know, uh, affinity diagramming, grouping mm -hmm. the trends of what mm -hmm. you see mm -hmm. into, into bigger pictures and mm -hmm. then developing opportunities Mm -hmm. of how you can improve the product um, mm -hmm. outside of things that are extremely detailed requirements. What was one of your, I know it may be hard to talk about, like one of your worst experiences in UX, like with the group and the team, but how did you overcome it? There's one project that <laughs> I, I would say had, had both favorite and least favorite moments in it. And <laughs> some of them, it, it's interesting just looking back on on the way that it it helped me mature as a practitioner but but also just understanding how to navigate when you didn't have full data sets or great qualitative or quantitative data mm -hmm. um, to back up design decisions and, and how to really communicate and partner with a client um, from a relationship standpoint and this was mm -hmm. uh, the Macy's project Still one of the funniest meetings I've had professionally in my entire life. The premise of the project was their flagship store in, in Herald Square, New York. Um, it's like a seven-story building. It's gigantic. Their basement, they were rebranding and making as a, a shop for millennials, which okay. they had no clue what who millennials were. Yeah. And, <laughs> um, and so they were just instituting a lot of digital, which, which our platform already ran a lot of the digital in, in Herald Square, but they mm -hmm. were instituting new screens and stuff everywhere. And they bought this technology um, without a plan. Mm. So they bought this 25 foot by five foot touchscreen interaction <laughs> wall, uh -huh. um, 32 touch points, which means 16 people with, with two mm -hmm. index fingers could be using it at the same time. Oh God. Um, however, mm -hmm. the way that the technology worked, it's infrared it's shooting across the screen and it's not capacitive, which mean, means it's actual touch mm -hmm. points. Right. Mm -hmm. So one touch over here could, could block a touch from happening over here. And mm -hmm. uh, um, oh, so the accuracy okay. is relatively low, but the technology <laughs> is still cool it's got this wow mm -hmm. factor yeah mm -hmm. so i sat in a, a two and a half hour long meeting and mm -hmm. no fewer than eight times had to explain to the creative directors and high level stakeholders at macy's that mm -hmm. the ideas that they wanted to utilize for this mm -hmm. technology mm -hmm. would result in very large um anatomic Body part. pictures uh -huh. body parts and inappropriate mm -hmm. images yeah. imagery yeah. <laughs> yeah. up on this on this giant <laughs> touch screen yeah yeah it, it was it was <laughs> unreal how many times i had to kind of continually hold their hand and say well okay that's that's one idea um and, <laughs> and how do we 
how do we get that sort of interactivity that you're looking for mm -hmm. without without having this uh, just summon up a browser and mm -hmm. allow people to go to whatever website they want to or right right like come on yeah type whatever messages or draw like yeah they, that's those are all real suggestions and wow <laughs> sure i mean it's it's naive in a way mm -hmm. they, you know they were like oh we think the best of people which is yeah which is great yeah <laughs> yeah yeah right, come on we were all teenagers um mm. so <laughs> you know the first thing that's going up there so yeah of course what we ended up doing is suggesting three three kind of different routes that they could go down what are what's the main demographic of people that are going to be there and mm -hmm. their goal was millennials mm -hmm. and what what you also need to take into consider consideration is that just a huge number of the visitors are tourists mm -hmm. they're not from there they're not from right. new york they're international right um so language is a consideration and then also like where it is in the store what are people mm -hmm. going to be doing when they see it mm -hmm. um and and how do we navigate that so so we presented a couple of ideas and these concepts were really not necessarily like a pitch, like, Hey, mm -hmm. you could do this or this or this, mm -hmm. but rather, rather to help the business um, decide and understand that you invested heavily in this giant piece of technology. Mm -hmm. How can you get it to work best for you right. um, and still achieve a, a wow factor or a, you know, get your press that you mm -hmm. wanted because that's really what it was at the end of the day is, yeah. mm -hmm. is to drive a, an experience. Um, mm -hmm. So we kind of, we, these three directions, one was more of a guest book, mm -hmm. like a show us where you're from. Um, mm -hmm. And also, you know, see what cool. styles and stuff are, are popular where you're from. Right. Um, right you know, in, in conjunction with this experience, which is, mm -hmm. which is cool. You could like toss up, you know, um, mm -hmm. here's a shop in Seattle, here's a shop in Tokyo mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. and, and see what styles are, were popular. Right. There was another one that would require a, a very large operational change, um, mm -hmm. which you're starting to see actually happen in much more high end uh, retail locations mm -hmm. in which, we allowed them to kind of pick outfits, browse digitally yep. Yep. and then say, try this on. Mm -hmm. So they could just go to the fitting room, which was right around the corner right. and, and they would have their outfit to try on. Um, wow. Would require a large operational change. Yeah. Um, the way that their staff was trained and, and what else they could do to make that more efficient. Mm -hmm. um, so it wasn't really reasonable, feasible at the time. Mm -hmm. Yep. And then the third option was just a, um, a social feed that was mm -hmm. a low maintenance. Yeah. They already were curating a hashtag for their website. So there's a, um, a data feed that we could just pull in mm -hmm. um, and, and it just would continuously feed itself it could mm -hmm. also feed itself from within the store, which was pretty cool. Yeah. So, um, so we created a giant like art piece that people could 
like swipe up and down and mm -hmm. it would it would turn these macy's colors um, yeah. gradient squares over into actual social posts ah, um, okay. in which they could expand and mm -hmm. and view and see what people were tagging yeah. with hashtag macy's love mm -hmm. um and of course that's the one they went with because it was low cost kind of yeah. high wow factor yeah exactly and constantly fresh so can you talk through the process of coming up with those ideas because it literally just sounds like again it's coming back to the childhood thing it's like it's, well just imagine what, what would you do if you had this piece of technology is it a lot of that sort of thinking that goes into your process well yeah so i always kind of circle around this area of yeah what if your what if your product was only for play right what happens if your product was only for play? What if it was full utility? Those are mm -hmm. on kind of opposite ends of the spectrum. Mm -hmm. This one's trying to get a job done. This mm -hmm. one's just entertainment value. Right. And what's, what's in the middle? Mm -hmm. Yeah. If I, if I ever charted that out, I should probably do that. No, you, you should. Um, <laughs> That's a cool ass visual. <laughs> um, but those are kind of the three, the three mm -hmm. ways that I, would tackle a problem in and mm -hmm. trying to understand, okay, client, mm -hmm. you you don't necessarily have the data, qualitative or otherwise, that we mm -hmm. would, I would normally base decisions on, mm -hmm. um, and and users at this point don't know what they want um, mm -hmm. or what they would expect here. This is a mm -hmm. it's a blank wall. They've never been in here before. Right. Um, same same with I mean. I imagine same with people that are just startups trying to, I want to build mm -hmm. an app. Exactly. Okay. What, yeah. Well, what, what kind of app to do? <laughs> exactly. Um, and, and yeah, so is it strictly entertainment value? Is it, is it full utility? Is it a tool mm -hmm. or is it somewhere in between where you can get benefit out of it and mm -hmm. enjoy the process? Exactly. And, um, and continue to, you know, feed what you're, what your drive, what is driving you. So. Right. Right. You mentioned you freelance for a year. Um, can you talk through that experience? Yeah. Um, something that I've learned from being in-house and then being uh, in agency or uh, consulting mm -hmm. environment and then being freelance is not just like in UX, not mm -hmm. every job, not every aspect of being a designer is um, where everyone excels mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. for me a lot of my strength is in a team mm -hmm. in having a team and yeah. freelancing um mm -hmm. you are your own team and yeah. not only are you are not only are you your own team mm -hmm. but you're also the project manager and the finance people and the salesman and mm -hmm. the, yeah <laughs> so, yeah it's a lot um so, um, you know, kudos to, to, um, everyone with that real entrepreneurial spirit. Cause, um, cause yeah. I'm, I'm not wired that way. Um, necessarily yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm okay at it, but yeah. okay at best. Yeah. And, um, and I, I really thrive in an environment with a, with a team, um, where I can mentor and, mm -hmm. um, help build up and and really just lean on people that are incredible craftspeople 
Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. whether I'm, I'm art directing and and saying, Hey, listen, I know these illustrators and these animators Mm -hmm. and these photographers that are just doing crazy stuff. I'm sure I can. Yes, I can do a lot of that myself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Their level is here. My level is Mm -hmm. (laughs) here somewhere. Um, And, you know, being a generalist, a a jack of all trades, master of none, Mm um, you know, I, I, but I can communicate with all of them. Right. And so right. that's where, that's where I found like b- being a freelancer, it's mm-hmm. hard to get hired as an art director, mm-hmm. a freelance art director. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard, it's hard to get hired as a, as a freelance like UXer, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. unless you are just in with a bunch of entrepreneurs that are building right. apps or whatever. It's, it's difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, not impossible. So don't mm-hmm. hear me say that, but um, it's difficult to get hired for projects that way. But um, also it's just a, it's mostly personal that, yeah. that I'm not, I'm not super wired to, um, you know, negotiate contracts. Um, right. Talking, talking money is like, I would be dead broke if I was still in charge of, <laughs> um, of doing that just because, it's like I can make you something great. Yeah. And they're like, "Okay, how much?" And I'm like, "Oh, uh, I oh. forgot about that part." Yes, <laughs> uh, hilarious. So, <laughs> so some people are wired for it, some some yeah. and it, it depends. It's a, I think it's a hugely personal um mm-hmm. decision. I don't I don't necessarily recommend freelance or agency or in-house over one another just mm-hmm. because everyone is different. Can you sort of talk about uh, pushing through some of the struggles that you had coming up in your career? How did you push through those? I would say, I would say being comfortable, like changing your own uh, mentality about things. Um, mm-hmm. It's funny. You graduate school and you're like, oh, I learned everything I needed to know. Mm-hmm. I'm good. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and, then, and then you get in a job and you're like, wait, there's, there's more to learn. Mm-hmm. Um, as long as you have that attitude, some mm-hmm. people don't have that attitude. And mm-hmm. I've been in interviews where I, I turn people down because I was like, you, you have a crappy out- attitude. Like mm-hmm. I can't teach you anything because you don't want to learn anything and you mm-hmm. think you already know it all. So, wow. so mm-hmm. there's yeah. that. Um, yeah. and again, it's that humble and hungry thing, like yep. wanting to learn and, and not being too egotistical to, to, to know that, but you're gonna you're gonna kind of come in conflict with, and I would say ninety percent of the world's problems is because people are in it. Mm, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <and> so <laughs> you're gonna come in contact with some of the most difficult, most infuriating and confusing people that mm. that you ever had to spend eight hours a day with. Yeah. When you're when you're in that working environment and allowing yourself still within that environment to say, okay, what can I learn from this person today? What, what is this person actually trying to tell me that they're, they may be terrible at, Mm -hmm. um, but, but how can I listen harder and really understand their needs and their wants in this moment um, rather than putting your needs and wants first. Now that doesn't mean that you, you can't, rant about them or complain about them right, you know, right. To, to people <laughs> that you trust and confide in. But um, 
at the same time, it's, it's really having that open-minded mentality of what are they actually saying, mm-hmm. you know, and, and what are their needs rather than what they're saying their wants are. It's just like uh, observing a user and validation. Mm-hmm. They might say one thing that, that they intend to do this one thing or that they would do this one thing, yeah. but mm-hmm. that's not, not always actually right. the, the actual <laughs> case which is, it's just a hilarious part of human nature. So um, understanding mm-hmm. that the, the frustration comes with the job, allowing you like take, taking a step back and measuring your own, mm-hmm. your own biases, conscious and unconscious um, and be willing to learn. And, and not only that, but like with every bit of extra little energy that you have, Mm-hmm. Um, be willing to stand up for your values. Like mm-hmm. don't sacrifice your values for, for your job. Yeah. Um, be willing to, to do those things and you'll still see success regardless of the roadblocks, the speed bumps, whoever gets in your way. Um, mm-hmm. I think, yeah. I think that that's, it's inevitable. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For sure, man. The frustration bit you talked about, um, it's, uh, it's very much important. And I appreciate being in the trenches with you. Those are some hard fought battles that we had trying to, you know, be the voice for our, our users, but also trying to, you know, facilitate the best experience, not only for the user, but for everyone we work with. It was good being in there with you, though. And I hear you're going to a really good, really good location, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm uh catching up with some of your old friends. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah I'll, I'll tell you one of the things that really influenced my decision and, and mm-hmm. um, it was the only company that gave me an offer that had anyone of color in leadership. Yeah. Um, and yeah. like I said, I've had experience. I've, mm-hmm. I've been all over yeah. the place and mm-hmm. everyone that thinks exactly like me, Mm-hmm. makes things boring and also impossible mm-hmm. um, <laughs> to, <Yeah. laughs> to actually get things done. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like to be, I like to be challenged in, in, in any way that, um, you know, just give me perspective, mm-hmm. but also like, um, again, working with Everett, like he's, he's far more patient than I am. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's, it's unreal because like, we you you can see these things so quickly when you work mm. with somebody who who's just like okay i have this understanding i have this i have this level of empathy that is unrivaled and mm-hmm. Everett, Everett wasn't even on the research and he was just like yeah here's, okay the users they were like my best friends i understand mm-hmm. these these personas mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. of the people that that we we created um by by sitting with them and, and Everett lives that and mm-hmm. so like just just seeing that and being on the team with you and Isabel and Zab, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. one of my favorite experiences, despite being in a very yeah. difficult <laughs> experience. Yeah, yeah. Because um, we we had this diversity of thought mm-hmm. and where we're coming at it from. And, you know, yeah. my background isn't standard. I, I grew mm-hmm. up in a circus. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, yeah. I understand I'm a little bit skewed. Um, yeah. From, <laughs> yeah. From the standard white guy. But, yeah. yeah. Um, 
at the same time, I'll tell you, like, there's, there's nothing like being able to learn um, mm-hmm. perspective just by, just by being close and allowing yourself mm-hmm. to be close to those mm-hmm. that, that not only see things different and have experienced things different, but um, just mm-hmm. have this heart of wanting to help and, and wanting to make experience for humans better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thank you, man. Well, Roth, dude, I really appreciate you.